This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to the show this week. Um, jumping right into it, kind of been a crazy day for me, uh, but yeah, just going to jump right into it. First of all, show is brought to you again this week by our good friends at DraftKings. Hey, with DraftKings, guys, hockey season's coming to a close, basketball season's coming to a close. Take advantage of the awesome offers out there with DraftKings. Get out there, feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist, shot, goal, save, all that good stuff means more to you than it ever has before. With DraftKings, it's simple to play. Draft your team, stand to the salary cap, see how your team stacks up against the competition. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app. Use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, folks, starting uh, getting back into a nice swing of something that we haven't done in a while yet. The beer of the week. This week it is Jackie O's Seafoam IPA. That's a fun-looking can right there. Citra Comet Simcoe. Mm. Sounds interesting. Now, kind of how I wanted to start talking about this week. Um, so the Blue Jackets, something interesting happened yesterday. So these last two games, we've played, uh, finally broke the losing streak to the Red Wings, which was in a shootout. Hooray, hooray. It was a rough game, but it was actually a game the Blue Jackets weren't too bad in. Let me try this beer. Hmm. That's good. That's good. It's a nice, uh, got some nice sweet notes in it for an IPA. I'm a fan. I like it. I like it. This is like most IPAs. They're not most, but the IPAs I like. Uh, my rule tends to be that an IPA is good. Uh, I am never a fan. I almost never get six packs of them because I tend to not like them that long. But this is pretty good. Jackie O's Seafoam IPA. Nice little drink. Reminds me of something you would drink like, maybe it's the Seafoam name, but drink like poolside. Like you got maybe some salty snacks. Maybe you've had a picnic out by the ocean or you're at the beach or out on a boat, something like that. Don't don't drink and drive the boat, but also just be careful drinking on a boat because... Uh, people tend to do stupid things when they drink on boats, and people get a false sense of how safe they are on them. Not that a boat isn't safe, but you know, just the whole premise of if you fall off the boat and you're not wearing a life jacket, things can go downhill quickly. Okay. Um, so against the Red Wings uh, at five on five, uh, the Corsi Ford Blue Jacks were at fifty four percent, pretty good. Uh, expected goals for not as good. Uh, their expected goals for percentage forty five. Last night against the Hurricanes, Saturday night against the Hurricanes, uh, they didn't have the Corsi. They were just slightly below 50 at 49.13%, but their expected goals for was in the 60s, 63.75. That's quite good. Um, it's it's games like this one against the Hurricanes 
And, and I get that for the Hurricanes, you know, they've locked up the playoffs, so maybe they're not as engaged in the game as the Blue Jacks are. But the Hurricanes are trying to make sure they get the, the first overall seed because I know when you talk to actual sports players, they say things like, oh, we don't care who we play. We can, you know, we'll play anybody, all that good stuff. Um, if I get distracted here, my, my one screen keeps flickering here and there, and I'm hoping it's not an issue because that's my laptop screen. And uh, I don't want to have to get anything like that fixed. That'd just be a nightmare. Anyway, um, so the, uh, the, we talk about how, oh, I don't, we don't care who we play. We'll be fine. We can beat anybody, all that kind of stuff. But you know, in the back of their heads, Carolina's like, you know, if we can play either Dallas or Nashville in the first round, that would be preferable to playing Tampa or Florida, Tampa or, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Florida Panthers. Cause that's not going to be an easy game. Um, or an easy series. Those two teams, because here's the thing, in the Central, you've got three teams that think they can win a cup. And and to be honest, I mean, I don't know how true that is of any conference. I know in every conference, anybody makes the playoffs, can be like, we think we can go win the cup. But you can kind of tell by the trade deadline what teams actually think they can. Um, In the Central, Carolina, Tampa, Florida, I think they can win a cup, I think. Nashville or Dallas, I think their organizations are kind of in that, well, if we make it, we'll see what happens kind of mode. Out in the West is Vegas or Colorado. Um, Minnesota, I think Minnesota's looking at this year and going, wow, this is great. We're ahead of schedule, but we don't think this is our, our window to win a cup. Again, it's the playoffs. Anything could happen. So, I mean, don't think this is a, you know, oh, this is definitely what's going to be. But uh, And whoever squeezes into that last spot, maybe you get lucky, but I doubt that it's their year. When you go to the north, other than Toronto or Edmonton, I think Montreal thinks they can win one, but I don't know how right they are. And you go to the east, any team in the east could win it. Pittsburgh, Washington, the Islanders, or Boston. Again, hockey is a random sport. So if you give me seven games and a team's got a team's got Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on it. Who knows? Give me seven team, seven games with a roster like Washington or or uh, a roster like Boston's. The Islanders they have to play you well because they have to play good defense for every game to win it. Um, I mean you can kind of you can kind of when you look at the East, uh, you know goals for for Pittsburgh one seventy eight, Washington one seventy five, Boston one fifty, and they're in fourth. Fifth place, the Rangers, 167, Islanders, 143. But the Islanders, by far, have create have allowed the fewest goals, 114. So I, the Islanders, if luck steps in the wrong way for them, they're in more trouble than other places. So um, the beer, I've got, a, I've got a question from someone on the show here tonight. Our good friend Juanita Clemens here. Uh, it's Jackie O's Seafoam IPA. It's, it's tasty. It's good. Thank you for asking. Um, all right. So yeah, we're. I think any. I, I. That's where I think we're at as far as these uh, these playoff teams go. So I think Carolina is still trying to play well, but you look at what the Blue Jackets did last night, and you look at how well some of these guys played. Uh, as far as their, the percentage of, when they were on the ice, was the percentage of expected goals for who was it going for. Um, Liam Footy played well, Alexander Texier, 
uh, had high expected goals for numbers. I mean, we don't go under 50 in last night's game until we're down to like the last three guys on the team. So Rosovic played well. Domi played well. Bemstrom. I was impressed with Bemstrom yesterday. I was very happy to see what he was doing. It was a, it was one of the first games I've seen him in where I'm like, that's what they've been talking about. And they've been talking about Bemstrom. If you didn't see the game, Bemstrom was all over the place. Bemstrom was making chances. Bemstrom, he would have had a goal except for a ridiculous, I believe it was Jacob Slavin who got down and blocked the shot and just barely, but it was, he played well. Um, it was one of the kinds of games that made me say to myself, you know what? Maybe the bones of this team are better than what I thought they were. Maybe this team, maybe I'm, I should be thinking again to kind of how I thought going into the season of, I think the core of the team is decent. Um, and we've got to build around that. Now, again, it's just one game. So you don't want to overreact. Um, a lot of things are going to change this offseason, especially with getting a new head coach. But we'll see. I, I still am a believer that the core talent on this team is enough for a competent NHL team. I, I, I definitely still think that. I just, this season, everything has gone wrong. Everybody's played poorly. And, and, and again, we've got what's I think has now pretty well acknowledged a uh, lame duck coach in his final season. Um, the big question this offseason has got to be, what do you do with Patrick Laine? And obviously, there's going to be some things about the coach re-signing Seth Jones. Um, I think the Laine question looms huge. If it's not bigger than the Seth Jones question, it's real close. Uh, because with Laine, you've got to find, do you think you can find a coaching staff that can figure out a way to make him uh, an NHLer who is who can minimize his defensive liabilities and minimize how much you get outshot when he's on the ice, while also he doesn't always need someone to perfectly set him up to create scoring opportunities. Because that's that's what you need to do. You need to figure that out. Um, so that's a big part of it going into the end of this year. The Blue Jackets, as far as the draft lottery now, Blue Jackets are at fifth best odds to get that number one overall pick at 8.5%. Uh, top two, they're at a 17.2% chance. They're not going to get much closer at this point because, uh, I mean, they might be able to catch New Jersey, but then Seattle's already got the third spot. Uh, Buffalo is kind of locked up. They, they've, they've, the Blue Jackets cannot finish worse than Buffalo, so the Blue Jackets can't get to that number one spot, which is probably a good thing. Uh, but that's, that's where we are there. Um, all right. Interesting uh, discussion by Aaron Portsline this week in The Athletic. He had a, a Q&A with Mike Priest, who is the president of the Blue Jackets. Now, Mike Priest, for the vast majority of things, just handles the business operations of the Blue Jackets. He really doesn't touch the hockey stuff. And, and that change is what really is what turned this franchise around a few years ago. If you don't remember, that's what the hiring jo of John Davidson was. It was the moment when guys like Mike Priest said, you know what? I really shouldn't be doing this, this picking the hockey people. I don't know it. Uh, Cause what tends to happen in the NHL a lot is if you get owners who aren't affiliated with the league, they essentially will take recommendations from the league office a lot of times. And the league office tends to recommend just the same group of people over and over. Well, when they hire John Davidson, I get John Davidson is one of those guys who would have fallen into that list of who the league recommends over and over. The difference there is, 
John Davidson said, well, I'm, I'm going to get a GM. I'm not the GM. We're going to do this. And when he hired Yarmo Kekalainen, he got somebody who was not someone that teams just looked over again and again. So that, that's who Mike Priest is in this. He's kind of a step back, kind of a step removed, more in the business side of things, but which is also a big deal because it means he's part of the money part of it. Um, some interesting things from the discuss from the discussion. Uh, we did get the confirmation that the Blue Jackets were not one of the teams that said we'd rather just sit out this year than play. Uh, the other things I find very interesting are that it seems as if Mike Priest is just all aboard letting Yarmo make the decision as to if John Tortorella is staying. Uh, the quote here, the question was, this is a city that loves coaches, perhaps because of the rich college sports tradition here. What is John Tortorella's legacy here in Columbus? Mike Priest then goes on to spend a few sentences talking about how John Tortorella has been a great coach, how he's really elevated what the expectations are around the team, all that good stuff. Um, this is the, the, the last two sentences here. He will be known in our young history as one of the best coaches we've had. Whatever transpires this summer between him and Yarmo, they have a, they've been a great team to move this organization forward. That tells you what happens is going to be Yarmo's decision. Um, so that's, that's interesting here. Uh, the other interesting question, Yarmo Krakalainen has been vowing to reload short-term rather than rebuild long-term this summer, believing that he can make sufficient moves to make the Blue Jackets competitive as soon as next season. How feasible is that? First of all, it's an interesting question because Mike Priest is not going to be, again, he's not making the hockey decisions here. So he, what he does say, um, what he does say that's, that's interesting in this, um, couple of things, uh, the first paragraph was, this isn't meant to be cute with words, but I understand reload re versus rebuild. We all have our opinions. The hockey operations staff are much more informed than mine would be, but we have a lot of talent depth within our organization. It's still strong. What we have are positional problems. We need to reload some talent in those positional areas. There was a plan, a road. We were going down and we got it. We have to pivot from that plan, which I think is an obvious allusion to the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. Um. The last paragraph of the second of it, the last sentence of his second pair the second answer is I know the commitment there to there is to winning here and delivering a world class experience. John McConnell is very clear on his desire to win the Stanley Cup and provide what it takes to get there. So it's good when you see those discussions about there being a commitment to winning. Um, which I'm I'm excited to see. Uh, so that's that's good news there um, to see that happening. Also, there's a fun paragraph about how uh, the Blue Jackets are still trying to get a winter classic. Um, the final thing he says about it was, but at some point in time, we're going to host an outdoor game, whether it's a winter classic or one of the others. Uh, but there's nothing on the books for it at this point. So the good news for Blue Jackets fans is that's going to happen, which I think we should all be very happy about. Uh, be excited for there. So going to hear a quick word from our friends of the Hockey Podcast Network, and I'll be right back.
Hello, bonjour, hello, hi, heya, and previet, hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast, the show where two Brits talk all things European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to keep updated on all of the latest news, scores, or standings from across the European hockey world, you want to get some insight from some very interesting guests discussing their stories with hockey and how the sport grows around in Europe in different interesting places, or if you want to keep updated with all of the leagues across Europe that are either playing, have been suspended, cancelled, delayed indefinitely, then do check out our latest episodes of the Europuck podcast every Friday as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We have a YouTube channel, the Europuck Podcast, and you can listen to us wherever else you get your podcasts. So check us out every Fridays and we'll see you there, folks. Welcome back, folks. Uh, a couple other quick stories I wanted to touch on um, this week. There's an interesting piece by Sean Shapiro, and I know that uh, Greg Wyshynski did one for ESPN. I'd recommend go checking out one of the two. They both kind of hit on the same topic, which was this iPad that the coaches had that they use during games. Um, the interesting things are it's kind of how it provides real-time information for them, things like ice time, uh, shot share, face-off wins, that sort of thing. What I found interesting when I was looking at it was it's got this um, here. Uh, if, you're, if you're watching the video of it, I'm going to share it here with you. If you're not watching the video of the... Uh, of the uh, of the show here, then go find it on YouTube if you want to see the exact video. But it's got these interesting replays it does, where essentially it shows the position of all the players and the puck when something is happening on the ice. So I find that really interesting, uh, that that's something they see. And honestly, I saw some people questioning why this was of any use. I can see where this would be useful in just seeing that positioning. Because sometimes when you're seeing all the people involved in something, you kind of lose track because of the the mood that you know the guy skating, the sticks out, all that stuff. This gives you an idea of just pure positioning. So I find it very interesting that these tools exist in the NHL. Um, so when you're looking down at the, when you see the players watching the iPads, maybe they're watching a replay, maybe they're watching this weird digital replay, maybe they're checking things, showing their, uh, you know showing what the, the shot shares in the game. Who knows? Probably not that one as much. Maybe some things like the face-offs, who they're doing well against, who they're not, that sort of thing. So I found that interesting. Um, last story I'm going to hit on tonight uh, is the Blue Jackets signing. And I'm going to try. I know I've been out pronouncing the first name wrong, and hopefully I don't get the last one. Igor, uh, Igor uh, Chinikov to a three-year entry-level contract. Now, this has been interesting because a couple of days ago, his agent came out and said that he was going to sign his contract with Columbus. His team in Russia, uh, Vanguard Omsk, uh, Avangard Omsk, was not happy about this. And, and to help explain why, it's helpful to understand that, at least to my understanding of it, the Russian system of developing players it's very similar to the European system of developing soccer players where it's not really something like you go to high school and you play and then you go to college and then a team drafts you. It's more like the co- the system of, of soccer in Europe where they kind of just have general camps and general leagues for the community. And then kids that stand out get done into the, you know, kind of, they're like, Hey, do you want to come be in this Academy? And, you know, maybe you have a chance to play pro and all that. And they kind of develop kids that way. 
And then when a kid's good enough, they move them up. That's why you have 17 and 18 year olds playing in their pro leagues. Uh, whereas in the U S that guy would still be in major junior. If you went to Canada or college or, or what have you, but the blue jackets have signed him to a three-year deal. Now, an interesting caveat of the deal, the deal technically takes effect during this year, meaning come next year, Chinikov is only under contract for two more years. Now, some people might say, well, why would you do it that way when you can still have control for three? My guess is this is one of the reasons Chinikov wanted was okay with leaving Russia. He wants... The thing is, he's 20 right now. So at the end of his entry-level deal in two years, he'll sign an RFA deal. Now, maybe that takes him all the way through his RFA years, or maybe it's a bridge deal. I don't know. But then he would sign his first deal out of RFA. And maybe he'd get an extra deal after that, after out of our out when he's a UFA. So he has as many times as three chances to sign it to cash in on big contracts. If he signs a three-year deal with Avangard Omsk, and he so he's playing there till he's 22, 23, and then he comes to Columbus and plays on a two-year entry level, then he's 25 coming out of that two-year entry level. So then if he gets on a bridge, he's if he gets say he gets gets on a three year bridge deal, then he's twenty eight when he's out of that. Maybe someone sign. I mean, depending on how good he is, I don't know. It, if he comes out and he's an all star, someone will sign him to you know the Blue Jacks to try and sign him to an eight year deal, or someone will try and sign him to a seven. But if he comes out of that and he's like a middling player, maybe he gets a four or five year deal somewhere, depending on where things are at. Um, but that would mean there was really only one or two opportunities to cash in during his career. Coming over here when he's twenty. He'll be out of his entry level contract when he's 22. Then he'll get, then he'll, so he probably has then his, his, you know, entry level to RFA deal, then the end of his RFA deal, and then probably one more deal when he's in his UFA. So he'll have three opportunities to cash in over the course of his career as opposed to just two. Um, so I see why he's making the move. Also, this guy seems like a, like a driven kid in a lot of ways. Um, Something I really liked today. Uh, his Twitter account, which apparently he joined in July of 2020, but he either deleted everything he tweeted before today or whatnot. But he tweeted out a photo that said, a new step in my life. And half the picture is his face. The other half of it is like, it's like, it's like a torn piece of paper in half. I'll put the video up online if you're watching it online here so you can see what I'm talking about here. Um, the, like a torn in half piece of paper with a Blue Jackets logo. And it says, Igor, welcome to Cannonland. Entry-level contract. First of all, can we start calling Columbus Cannonland? That's awesome. That's what I want to do. I want a sign above the arena that says, welcome to Cannonland. <laughs> that sounds like a really fun time. And it feels like a guy who wants to be a part of what's going on. And that's really cool. I mean, after being a Blue Jackets fan, after the year we've had and after the last few seasons where the constant question is, does anyone want to come here? Does anybody want to do this? Well, Igor does. And I'm excited about that. I think that's cool. This kid, if you haven't seen the highlights, he's got a great shot. He's really good at handling the puck. He moves around well. 
is he going to be that dynamic play, you know, that dynamic winger that's going to be the superstar we've been needing? I don't know. But he's going to be something. And honestly, I've been saying it for a while now. I wonder if Yarmo had a really good sense he was going to come. And if this was part of the reason Yarmo was saying this is a reload, not a rebuild. Because if Yarmo has big faith in this kid, I mean, maybe this guy's the building block. I mean, Yarmo, in last year's draft, when Yarmo took him 21, there was, if you remember, the video was spectacular because on pretty much every draft coverage, it was just like, who is this guy? I remember Brian Burke on Sportsnet's coverage was just like, uh, he's a winger. Yeah. And they, they all laughed because they all knew they didn't know anything about him. And some of them were like, well, you know, Yarmo probably knows what he's talking about. I mean, Yarmo is a great scout uh, and has great connections throughout the scouting community. And then Igor went ahead and started the year with with a just a heater in the KHL. And when when they asked Yarmo about it, they're like, "Why would you reach like this?" Apparently, Yarmo's response was, "We had him in our top 10. Yarmo Kikalainen thought this was one of the top ten players in last year's draft. And you add that to the fact that we've got three first round picks in this year's draft. Now I don't know if we've got anybody that we think is going to come in and play this year. I don't know. And again, it depends on who you draft. And we've talked about it. Maybe you trade those for picks. Who knows? But I'm excited. I'm excited to see a young player, a dynamic player whose hometown team did, you know, really tried to tried to keep him and he wanted to come here. That's cool. So I'm excited, guys. Um, we're into the last week of games. I'll watch them. At this point, I'm just kind of watching for what individuals do. Wanting to see guys still have a, a will to win. That was one of the more exciting things about the Carolina game. See, Just seeing them play a good game was really nice. So. That's where our standard is at for the rest of this season. Thank you very much for watching, listening, however you do this. Please subscribe and and like it and all that good stuff. Uh, Thank you very much, and go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief. And thank you for listening.